So guys, this is Luke Ryan, and I'm just trying to say I never listen to the other sister sis podcast. Cause if I did, I wouldn't know what else to change into, man, and that would just suck. Alright, I hear shoot, Carl, and I gotta go. Bye. Hey, this is Chris Clacky Lackey, director of The Chosen One, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast without my Chief Chirpa cosplay outfit. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Ah, we're really here. I was just messing with you. We are. This is Sunday, July 20th. Time for episode number 27 of the Order 66 podcast. I want to say happy anniversary to my parents. 40 years today. Wow. With me in studio, as you can probably tell, (laughs) GM Chris. Hello, sir. Well, yeah, actually, I insisted on coming into studio after you, uh, you know, punked up my podcast last week. Yeah, he's keeping an eye on me, boys and girls. Yeah, pretty much. Although, I will say, the worst episode ever, I really freaking enjoyed. Uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. And I find it amazing that the quote-unquote worst episode ever has gotten more responses and posts on our forums than any other episode to date. Uh, it's pretty wild, and it has engendered some great discussion. So, yeah, man, it was great to, to hear you guys on there. Sounds like you guys have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's doing, it's doing really well, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I wish I could have been here, honestly. Um, but I didn't miss you one iota, to be unfortunately frank. When I was in uh, Playa del Carmen, sipping on cold alcoholic beverages uh-huh. and smoking uh, Cuban cigars, yeah, uh, which was fantastic. There's a drink they serve um, at the resort called uh, Coco Loco, which is uh, it quickly became my favorite. It's a combination of tequila, uh, rum, gin, uh, coconut milk, and uh, a few other things, and Steadily out, man. It sounded awesome, dude. Yeah. I'm <laughs> still recovering kind of slightly, and I've been back a little while. But yeah. Hey, man, it's all good. Wish I could have been there, buddy. Oh, well, it's okay. You were here, you know, ruining my show, and that's... Yeah. That's, excuse me. It's it's our show, Dave. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> all right. But speaking of the show, we got a great show for you guys planned tonight. We're going to be continuing our prestige class discussion with the Jedi Master. Uh-huh. And uh, talking about a few other things. And uh, if you guys would like to rant and rave about uh, the worst episode ever, or this one, hopefully will be the, well, maybe not the best episode ever, but... Uh, It'll be the pinnacle of success. Oh, I like that. The pinnacle of success. That's right. We're moving with a great degree of alacrity to make this the pinnacle of success. Well, that's a $10 SAT word. That's nice, hey, man. Dude. I decided, you know, that we really need the D20 um, vocabulary word of the week. And so, boys and girls, this week, alacrity. I like alacrity. Moving with speed and quickness. Oh, that's excellent. Purpose. I'm going to think I'm going to start a thread for, you know, you know, good $20 SAT words. You know, that's that, right. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I could, I could jump into, ah, I forget the name of the show. Leave us a message, but be pithy and don't blow V8. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it is. Thank you. Uh, what do you say? Let's get to it. Announcements. Sounds like a plan. All right. Well, Dave, I was up until 3.30 in the a.m. last night playing some 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Dude, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a really pretty cool system. Uh, I really enjoy it. And if you guys want to check it out or find out more about it or you're interested in all in the passion, the power, and the glory that is 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons, you can find out all you need to know from uh, our friends... Uh, Radio Free Hamlet. Radio Free Hamlet. Uh, you can download. They have their four episodes up right now. You can go directly to uh, d20radio.com and ch- click on the Hamlet link, and you can uh, check out their stuff and learn all about 4th edition. It's absolutely fantastic. Very, yep. very cool. And speaking of podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, if you listened to all last week, if you didn't live under the rock for what was uh, <laughs> episode 26, worst show ever. Or we're in play. You heard Rodney talking about his podcast, which is the WotC official Star Wars RPG podcast. Yeah, it, I loved it. It was just uh, great, great, just nuggets of game design and, and uh, you know, just how to run a game brilliant side. Yeah, it, it's fantastic. But you guys can, can download it directly. Uh, you can go to www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. It's right on the front page. There's a totally awesome pic of Darth Vader grabbing a mic. And uh, they got episode one up right now. And you can hear it and love it for all it is. That's right. Now, Dave... Ah, man, this one almost requires fanfare. Uh, Yeah, it does. Uh, For those of you who may not have been living under a rock, and this has been kind of a a, a known unknown for a while. Donald Donald Rumsfeld, of course, has the the known unknowns and the known knowns. And the 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 known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. This has been like an unknown known. Uh, people, there's been speculation that there's going to be a new Star Wars MMO coming out, a brand new massively multiplayer online role-playing game uh, for the Star Wars universe to replace what became a very sore game. I know you baited for a while. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies, uh, Sony did. And there was rumors that it was going to be based around the Knights of the Old Republic campaign setting. And, yes, EA's John Ricciello officially confirmed on July 17th that BioWare is currently working with EA and building the next Star Wars MMO. And Damn it. What? Uh, see, I'm just listening to the dusky dulcets, and I forgot to keep the music going. You're fired. Technical Wizard is fired again fired two weeks again. in a row. And you interrupt the coolest announcement ever, but yes, BioWare. BioWare, a proven game designer that is awesome. Um, under EA's production is going to, is currently building uh, the KOTOR MMO. There is no official release date for it, but most industry speculated is, of course, going to be um, mid-next year, probably. Dude, BioWare is awesome. EA is fantastic. Way better than Sony. And I loved, I, 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 I have to say, I loved Galaxies before it became crap. Well, before everyone could be a Jedi. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I was in the trials when that happened. I know. And I think GM Brev was also in the trials at that time when that happened. All of a sudden, I take two weeks off. I show up, and everyone's carrying around freaking lightsabers. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell, JC? Golly. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully this will rock like we all think it will. Um, it'll probably consume a good portion of my life, but KOTOR is possibly my favorite setting of all time. So that's the reason why. There you go. So, yeah. But moving on, uh, contest, contest. We just finished uh, our first big contest, which was our D20 Radio logo contest, correct? That's right, that's it right. It is over. Um, we actually got a couple submissions after the uh, the um, the contest end date, unfortunately, and they are up on the thread, although we cannot consider them. Uh, and the winner, after uh, examining everything that we had, and we posted a lot up there and got some by email, 
Uh, which was, of course, Jacob. Or, or as he's known on our forums, Reverend Duck is the official winner of our logo contest with his minimalist, simplistic, retro, wicked cool uh, D20 radio logo that we like a lot. And uh, Duck, Jacob, man, if you're listening, obviously, uh, we're going to be emailing you very soon. Um, not only to get a good address where we can send you your prize, which is, of course, a chance cube uh, or two. And uh, we also want to contact you about finalizing a few other things on the design and uh, getting some swag in the works. That's so right. Congratulations, man. And you're going to get a T-shirt, too. Yeah, once it comes out, of course. Uh, we want to thank everyone who took the time to really exercise their creative juices. And we had some amazing logo submissions put in. There's a lot of great stuff. And you can check it out at d20radio.com slash forums. You can go directly to the, uh, the link for the contest and, um, and, and look at all of them. There's some pretty cool stuff. Yep. Very good. But if I'm correct, Dave, and correct me if I'm wrong, we still have another contest going on. That's right. The Build a Threat Contest. Build Boys and girls, threat. I am totally stoked about this. Uh, we've been working with uh, our good buddy Chris Lackey, Clacky on the forums, the director of The Chosen One, uh, an animated film which he has created, uh, which is coming out, actually debuting at Comic-Con at San Diego. And he has agreed to help us secure a free copy of his film uh, for a reward for this current contest, which is going coming to an end at the end of this month, the end of July. And it is a design-your-own-threat contest. Uh, we basically want you to design a threat suitable for threats of the galaxy. Um, it can be, you know, a, a creature, an NPC, a, a beast, uh, or a droid. Um, you can put three entries in. We've got all the rules up there on the site, and we want to see what you guys can do. Flex your gaming muscles, man. Get it on there. And, and women. 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 Women, too, women yeah. Flex their gaming muscles, yes. Yep. Women have different gaming muscles than men. Yes, they do. Yes. You know, did, you, did you know boys and girls are different? I found that out. I didn't know that until I got married. Really? No. <laughs> so it's very cool. But if you guys uh, want to get to the forums, you can go ahead and post up your builds right there, and we would love to see them. There's already been some great, amazing stuff posted That's up. right, my man. That's Wicked. right. Wicked. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And this time the music ended on time. Imagine that. Imagine that. I'm sure you had nothing to do with that. No, I didn't. <laughs> Just a bunch of luck. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, with um, where's Cody? Did you get a postcard? Did you? It's funny you should ask. Actually, yeah, I kind of got. Uh, it barely got to me, man. Uh, the guy who delivered it delivered it to my house. Looked like he was pretty toe oh, up. Oh, look at that thing. Yeah. Um. This is kind of wild. Uh, this is uh, for those of you out there in in uh, in uh, the the internet radio land. Um. This is it's a kind of a torn, a real blood stained postcard. Uh, it seems to have the scent of a hunt about it. And hastily written words bid us, The Grand Protector welcomes you to Rhodia. Good hunting. Ooh. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. GM Dave and GM Chris. I'm back from leave, and Lord Vader has stepped up our searches for capable bounty hunters to search for his missing ship. Although I've tried to avoid it, this week I took our unit to the Tyrius system in the Midrim, and to the planet Rhodia. I remember learning about the tracking methods of the Rhodian Huntmasters in my introductory clone education hollows. Their entire history marked by bloody clan warfare and the glory of the hunt. The Rodian people have dedicated their lives and culture to tracking prey. Hopefully here, I can 
find someone who meets old Vader's standards for bounty hunter scum. <laughs> Rodia itself is a swelteringly hot and humid jungle world, peppered with vast cities ridden with clan politics, warfare, and crime. I understand many difficult and dangerous predators still walk the jungles here, although the bloodthirsty greenies have eradicated hundreds of once impressive species, or so I'm told. I'm headed to meet with Navik the Red, the Grand Protector of Rhodia, their de facto planetary leader, basically the clan chief with the most power. With luck, we can agree on a price, and offer Lord Vader's task to one of the greenie bounty hunters. Personally, I don't hold out hope. Last time I was here, a snide remark by one of our non-clone officers led to our unit being chased off-world at Blaster Point. Let's just say between you and me, the Greenies are a bit hot-tempered. Undisciplined strife, if you ask me. Well, I gotta depart and go see what trouble I need to avoid. If you guys ever need to hire some indiscriminate and bloodthirsty walking blasters, we'll take a pleasure hunt through some rough country. Rhodey is definitely the place to do it. Later, chips. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Cute. Oh, very nice. You know, I went to Rhodia, uh, you know, for my second honeymoon. <laughs> okay. With my, wanna, okay. With I my, hear with, about this. Yeah, with my ex, you know, wife, you know, definitely. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, she was a little hot-tempered. Uh, had to, you know, I took her there to kind of, you know, end the relationship if you know what i'm saying oh i see a little something something you know yeah because even though the movie is now historically inaccurate they they uh, typically shoot first but um not in some cases not in some cases no <laughs> nice well thank you cody for the postcard i greatly appreciate it i will easily be able to get a thumbtack through this and uh put it up on the wall Right here, next to the others. So, thank uh, you. Yes. And I hope you're doing well, man. Long live the Empire. Whatever. All right, scumbag, pay attention. It's time for mail call. Oh, it's time for mail call. It's time for Yisak Rabin again. <laughs> yes, Asak Yisrim, our uh, grand affiliate, um, has uh, asked a couple great questions on our forum. Um, Full On Gamer and myself took a stab at them online, but I really want to share them with you because they're not bad. Um, Asak writes... Okay, this might be a silly question. Yeah, it's really stupid. Be quiet. It's oh, a wonderful question. I, I try not to berate our community members on, on the air, so I'm, I'm really sorry. Not very much. Asak, I'd like to invite you, please, to PM or email GM Dave and call him a tool. He deserves it. You must be smarter than the tool you operate. It comes from Home Depot. Thank you, Kreskin. No problem. <laughs> Well, he says, this might be a silly question, but if a character has a negative dexterity modifier, does their reflex defense increase when they're flat-footed? Also, when a character wields a weapon with two hands, he applies a strength modifier doubled. Does that mean a character with a negative strength modifier does less damage when wielding a weapon with two <laughs> hands instead of one? Well, first of all, Asak, unlike Dave, I don't think this is a silly question at all. I think it's great. These are two I excellent really questions. I don't think it's a stupid question. Yes, I know. Well, let's tackle them. Um, now, uh, in terms of the flat-footed character, um, I think what Asok's referring to is that, you know, we all know flat-footed characters are denied their dexterity to reflex defense. So, therefore, if you have a negative dexterity modifier that brings your reflex defense down, but you're denied your dexterity, wouldn't that consequently bring your reflex defense up? Right. Yeah, I, I can see if you absolutely take, and this is the KISS principle at work, or not at work in this particular <laughs> case, you're kind of overthinking things. Yeah, just slightly. It's a good question. But, you know, and, and, and once again, KISS, keep it simple, stupid, serves us very well here. See, and he called you stupid, not me. 
God, you're so combative, dude. I am. I swear. I am. But honestly, though, uh, Raw actually answers this quite nicely for us if we really take the time to read it. Um, the answer is no. Uh, per page is 145 <laughs> and 149 of the core rulebook, uh, which discuss both being flat-footed and calculating your reflex defense. A flat-footed character loses any dexterity bonus plus plus to reflex defense when flat-footed. A character with a dexterity penalty, therefore, keeps it no matter what. Uh, so that kind of answers that question. Now, as to the two-handed weapon question, it's very similar. Page 145 also clarifies that when wielding a two weapon two-handed, a strength bonus is doubled, not just your modifier, uh, which you know, could be negative, So, which means that strength penalties remain the same, which is right. pretty interesting. However, um, online somebody actually mentioned that they house rule it to where if you have a, a strength penalty, um, depending on what it is, they'll actually let you reduce it if you have pe- your penalty to damage if you're wielding two-handed because you're able to apply more of your meager strength. And that kind of makes sense to me. But I guess so. You know, like if you got like a, uh, you know, a negative one modifier and you're wielding two-handed, you know, you could move to a zero modifier, you know, for wielding two-handed. I guess, but if somebody's going to be a melee character and they have a negative to strength, then go ahead and hit them in the head with a shoe yeah. because they are stupid. Well, I think this is one of those unusual situations. You know, maybe you got a, a, oh, a weakling yeah, who's picking say, up yeah. an improvised weapon or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's possible. That's possible. Yes. But very good question. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, another question we got uh, came in on the forums this week from Alex Van D, uh, and he said this. Dr. Van Doren. He said, I got a question. Under the use the force skill, you can sense the force to detect other force users within 100 kilometers. What precisely is a force user? Anyone who is any force force sensitive? Mm. Or if so, what percentage of the general population of a species is force sensitive? Gosh. Or is a force user someone who's trained and used the force? Or is it someone who has force training and force powers? Have you read the book? In my game, I've chosen to go with trained and use the force as definition. Otherwise, the ability isn't terribly useful unless you're hunting for Padawans. Yeah, or Gungans. God, you're in a pissy mood. (laughs) Good grief. I'm kidding, Dr. Van Doren. Clearly, you haven't read the book because it's not in the book. He brings up an excellent point. You are bringing up a great point here because um, as much as we get... Questions that are that are in the book sometimes that the you know the form the form community, well if you'll read page whatever whatever this is actually not one where anybody could possibly say well if you'll read page whatever whatever it's a good question you are much correct sir um, this is a great question because there is no raw answer to it uh, lots of folks have posted several suggestions uh, when Alex posted this up there uh, but suffice it to say raw is completely silent on the details uh, and it it's mostly and I, I believe this is a good thing. And the reason I think it's silent on the details, I think it's up to GM interpretation. There you go. Okay. You want my opinion, dude? I run it in my games thusly. The GM should call for a use the force check to sense force users when it's appropriate. (laughs) Uh, For my games, uh, I mean, just personally, this is when you're in the presence of someone who is important to the plot. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. I mean, honestly, I think anybody with with a force-sensitive feat is technically a force user, but I rarely allow those that are untrained and use the force to be sensed at the 100-kilometer range, unless, of course, the plot calls for it, as in what happened in a recent game of mine. Um, I mean, such force sensitives who aren't trained and use the force in my games are merely the way I like to think of it is like just a blip on the radar. Okay. Um, as opposed to like, you know, Jedi Knights and Masters, which are, you know, shining beacons, you know, right. of, of powerful force users, you know, th- or those with, with formalized training in, in harnessing the force. That's right. And that, that's kind of how I think about it. It's kind of like a, kind of like a radar, you know? Yeah. But if you're on the scope pushing 10, try not to put two, uh, those blips together. Otherwise you'll get fired. Thank you for that very obscure reference. No problem. Hey, that's what you're here for. 
But yeah, no, we were talking about this in the forums. It, it cracks me up because you know we we see this skill a lot in the films. Like you know, I'm watching. Uh, you know, I was watching a uh, a New Hope. You know, and you watch that and. Uh, you know, Vader doesn't sense Luke's force sensitive, obviously, but Vader doesn't sense him until Luke actually starts to use the force when he's until flying he's down the right. trench. Right. And, you know, he's calling upon the force. He's about to make that awesome shot. Force is strong you know, in this one. Force is strong with this one, yep. and uh, that's that's pretty freaking cool. And later, when Luke is trained and he's technically a Jedi Knight, you know, like in, in Return of the Jedi, I mean, they're flying near each other at a range of kilometers, and they can sense each other. It's right. like a oh, crap. I shouldn't have come. Right. You know, um, you know stuff like that. So I, I can see that at work in the films, but honestly, dude, I don't think it's too terribly important. The whole point of the ability is for a, a GM co- construct to uh, allow for plot, basically, and, and I think it should be used as such. Great. Awesome, man. Yes, that's fantastic. So on your way back from Mexico, you actually stopped to see our friend Watto, didn't you? Maybe. Maybe not. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Jabba sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? (laughs) Watto says says hi, by the way. Good. That's, That's fantastic. Tell him I said I hope his wings fall off. Uh, well, he did tell me um, you have a tab that you haven't uh, uh, paid. Pay, pay. Oh, by the way, Watto, screw a you, dude. You don't want to do that. Do you have any idea who he knows? Yeah. Oh man, he knows a lot of people. Hey, all I gotta say is I'm glad that the cast is gonna be over shortly, so I can get the heck out of here before the bounty hunters start showing up at your house. That's right. Bring him on, brother. God. Well, I got something uh, from Watto that that's kind of a well. Slightly contraband, um, a All little right. bit. Let's see it. Uh, here, let me, let me pull out the holster. Check this out, dude. That is a sonic stunner. Shh. Oh, sorry. Good God, man, keep it down. Okay. All right. Fine. Uh, let me let me open the window and I can shout it shout it toward Moscow. Uh, thank you. <laughs> well, th- this is a sonic stunner. I'm full of them, one after another. Yes, yes, you are. And the Sonic Stunner is in the new, uh, of course, Threats of the Galaxy book. It's one of the new weapons there. It's in the Droid chapter. And uh, this, this is an odd and, and highly illegal little weapon uh, that is usually the pre- purview of those who like to inflict great pain on their foes, uh, such as sadistic attackers or interrogators. Um, the Sonic Stunner, Dave, it, it's just a pistol, um, and it only deals stunning damage, uh, 3 die 6 to be precise. Right. And it weighs only one kilo, and it costs a mere 450 credits. I mean, it's a bargain, um, not considering the cost of you know, obtaining an illegal weapon, of course. Right. So what is so dastardly about the darn thing? Well, first of all, as you can see, it, it's a tiny weapon. In fact, this is the only tiny weapon available that's even capable of dealing stunning damage. That's okay. cool. It's worth noting. And this means because it's tiny, it's easily concealable. All right? And that's a, a, you know, a big concern for law enforcement agents. And more importantly... This weapon is utterly and completely silent. The only person who hears the ultra-high squeal of its nerve-shattering sonics is the victim himself. Before he even gets a chance to scream, Don't tase me, dude! Don't tase me, bro! Bro, that's right, bro, sorry. Don't tase me, bro! Yeah, and so uh, this is a pretty cool little thing, and you can, you know, walk up behind somebody and... uh, you know, in the middle of a, of a crowd without them even knowing why he's suddenly falling to the ground, screaming in agony as he, you know, moves to two steps down the condition track. 
<laughs> and tases. Oh, yeah, baby. Hey, that's cool. Pretty good. That's awesome. Pretty good. And uh, with that, guys, um, as far as Wado's Bargain Basement goes, we want to know if you guys uh, would like us to cover any specific equipment, if you want us to cover. We want to know also if you guys have any other further questions for the game. We want to hear about it. Get online. Get to the forums at d20radio.com slash forum. Uh, you can uh, go ahead and also email myself at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And uh, you can ask us any questions for mail call, any issues for D20 Docking Bay, any equipment you'd like us to cover in Wado's uh, <coughs> Bargain Basement. Um, or, Dave, you can also give us a call, if I'm not mistaken. At 1-800-I-don't-give-a-rats. Oh, sorry. No, that's not a valid number, unfortunately. Sorry. But the Lusa line is... Oh, that's right. That would be 206-600-5872 or L-U-S-A. LUSA. LUSA. Very cool. So, yeah, we'd like to hear from you guys. And if you guys uh, have any equipment or anything unusual you'd like us to cover, um, let us know, and we will we'll get on it. That's right. And if you have any ha- homebrew stuff, yeah, really. send it over. We, we would really like that as well. That would be very, very Get it very out cool. to the game of nation. Yeah, but um, you guys are going to see, uh, actually tonight on the forums, you're going to see a brand new... Uh, uh, D20 re- uh, new thread in the D20 requests forums, uh, obviously on at d20radio.com slash forum uh, for Wado's Bargain Basement. Uh, hey. If you guys have equipment you want us to delve into, any questionable stuff, let us know. Absolutely, bros. What do you okay. say we talk about something fun? Okay, but I got something first. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> With Twina goodness. I wanted sushi the other day, so I went to a supermarket to find some, but then I saw there was a Mon Calamari selling it, and I just turned around and left. This has been Dark Thoughts with Twina goodness. Notice we didn't have to have a BBC announcement there. Not bad. No, that really wasn't bad at all. Uh... In fact, dude, I love sushi. <laughs> it's uh, when it's served to you by a Moncal. Uh, well, I'd probably like it better if it was served to me by a Moncal. At least oh, he could tell right. me whether it was fresh or not. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but no, dude, I was at Tokyo One like uh, like the night I got back, and I had this awesome uh, salmon hand roll. It was totally dude. delicious. It's the bomb diggity, as they say. <laughs> I love the bomb diggity. I'm glad we got a chance to insert that in this episode. Yep. It's a, sh- it? it's a shame that's not our ten dollar SAT word. It's a shame. We can come up with more if you'd like. And if you'd like to, <laughs> call the loser line. Oh, wait, we already covered all that stuff. Sorry, never mind. So let's talk about the Jedi Master this week. What Dude, do you say? Let's talk about the Jedi Master. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about him. Uh, Mokey Oki. Uh, all right, Gamer Nation. Uh, we're going to briefly continue our prestige class discussion uh, with a short look at the Jedi Master prestige class. Short because we've covered a lot of the stuff in here already. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, I mean, despite its iconic status in the Star Wars universe, Dave, uh, the Jedi Master is is an unusually sparse prestige class, um, much like the Force Disciple. Right. Uh, it has few original abilities, but those that you do have... Might as well go ahead and get the floor <sighs> wet with your drool. Yeah, they're very, very much worth it, drool, drool style. So let's talk about the class. Uh, let's talk about the prewex. Uh, a lot of this is going to be some old hat. Uh, this, of course, has a minimum level requirement, of course. A little bit different. What level do you think that is, Dave? 13. You must be 13th level to enter right. this class. By yes. golly. <laughs> yes, this is, this is what I call uh, the, the, one of the advanced prestige classes. I guess it's kind of the label I give it, you know, one of the handful that you can't enter uh, until you have 12 heroic levels under your, not heroic, excuse me, 12 levels under your belt uh, before you can enter it. 
And a few other prereqs. Feats. Well, you got to be force sensitive. Duh. Duh. You got to have weapon proficiency lightsabers. Duh. Duh. In other words, um, if you're a first level Jedi, if at least you start that way, uh, you're going to have all the feats you need, pretty much. Train skills. You got to be trained and use the force. <sighs> Again. Duh. Duh. Uh, you know, you're a Jedi Master. I really hope you're trained and use the Force. And Force techniques. Uh, you must have at least one Force technique oh. known to you. You need to have a deeper understanding of the Force to enter this prestige class, which means that you must have at least two levels of either the Jedi Knight or the Force Adept prestige class in order to nab yourself one Force technique of your choice. Oh, Which is okay. the prerequisite here. So that, that doesn't sound too terribly hard. No, not too terribly hard, but it's, it's muy importante. Muy and lastly, there is a special requirement. Uh, much like the Jedi Knight, you have to be a member of the Jedi tradition. Ah, and, yes. And, uh, you know, so like, just like the Jedi Knight, this uh, a class entry restriction that is role-playing based, which we don't see too terribly often. Right. Uh, so to take levels in this prestige class, you must follow the traditions and code of the Jedi. Not the class, but the organization. And all details about the Jedi tradition are published in the core rulebook starting on page 104. You and know, I equate this a little bit to hmm. the Paladin. In D and D, oh well, yeah, well, that's that's a common common equation. Yeah, you know, uh, it's just although the paladin is not necessarily role playing based, it's just you know lawful good. One of the, one of the things I hated about three five though D and D was the fact that you know it, it was almost law, you know lawful the paladin was almost lawful stupid. I mean, right. you had, you had you had the code you had to follow that would ruin a lot of stuff. Yeah, big change in fourth edition there, but right. Um, well, anyway, different system, but yeah, I I, I think uh, sort of the. That gray can be followed with the Jedi Master as well, but uh, it's certainly you know it, it, it's interesting in this in this system at least to see that role playing constraint added in the mix. Damn Skippy! Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, okay, let's continue, uh, shall we? Most things in here don't react well to bullets. Most things in here don't react well to bullets. Uh, let's talk about the basics here. Trebek. Trebek. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sword. <laughs> it's a saber. It's a saber. <laughs> It's too late. We're being delirious. Slightly. But that's okay. It's fun to be in the studio. It is, dude. I'm just, I'm just happy to have an actual mic in front of my face. It's, it's very cool. It's a very good cool. mic at that. Oh, it, yeah. If, and if, if anybody else wants to know what the setup is that we use for the podcast or what I use techni- on the technical side, there's a thread that has started, oh, I think, yeah. in the general discussion. I moved it to the general discussion because it was in the podcast discussion. So yeah. if any of you guys are... Thinking about being amateur podcasters, my rig is definitely not the cheapest way to go, but it is probably one of the better sounding ways to go. So, you know, I'm more than welcome to uh, answer those questions, and I would love to talk about podcasts with any of you. And I just got us right off the track. Jump the track off. I mean, let's do a Casey Jones right here. Well, it's okay. It's you. I think they're used to it by now. They probably are. Probably are. And yeah, Dave is the technical wizard, despite the fact that he misses drops all the time. Yeah, screw me. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, not really. No, thank you. I, I, I would rather not. Uh, but yeah, yeah. It. Uh, we. You know, you've gotten a lot of emails about that, so that's pretty cool. Yep. But back to the Jedi Master. Uh, let's talk about the basics of this class, Dave. Let's. Do there's it. there's not much, but but we're gonna go over it. D10, okay? brother. Ooh, yes, yes. This class is five levels. Continue uh, with an impressive D10 hit die, just like the Jedi Knight. Uh, a full base attack bonus progression and a plus three class bonus to all three of your defenses. Baba Booey. Oh, Lord, we had to bring up Howard Stern now. I know not of what you speak. <laughs> all right. Well, you get 
two absolutely amazing first level abilities for your being your first level in Jedi Master. And we're going to talk about them both. Uh, the first one is Fearless. All right? You are immune, immune to fear effects. Uh, this is not as uber awesome as the Force Disciples' indomitable feature, which, um, you know, uh, it makes you immune to any mind-affecting effect. Uh, but it's pretty cool. However, someone did bring up something interesting after our discussion of the Force Disciple we never really talked about. If you recall, they have that indomitable thing which makes them immune to any mind-affecting effect, right? Right. Well, if there's a noble in a Force Disciples party and they try to bolster them or buff them, that's, oh, a, that's a mind-affecting effect. That is true. So it goes both ways. So uh, that's no something, to c- something to consider that a, that a Jedi Master would not have the constraint of. No soup for you. No, Two months. No soup for you. So yeah, something to consider. Wow. Now the other first level ability, Dave, that a Jedi Master gets... God grant me the serenity. Oh, never mind. I'm sorry. Yes. See, if you're working the steps out there, one day at a time. Well, this is the, the name of my, uh, my favorite ship that flies out in the black. Uh, serenity. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic, or the reason you really decided to take a level in Jedi Master. Uh, listen, many Jedi that I've GM'd and played with will, will take a single level of Master just for this, and then they'll stop and move on elsewhere. Uh, this is considered to be one of the more powerful high-level abilities in the game, and it's used as a yardstick by homebrewers uh, for whether an ability might be, quote-unquote, too powerful for a lower-level character. Right. Uh, we've used it ourselves in comparison a couple of times. Yep. Um, but basically, Serenity allows you to enter a, a brief meditative state as a full round action. Think, think Qui-Gon kneeling across from Darth Maul in Phantom Menace when they're waiting for that energy field to open up. Right. And while in this meditative state, you are flat-footed. But when you emerge, which costs you a swift action to do so, your very first attack roll or use the force check made in the following round is considered a natural 20. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this means an instant hit and crit if you're attacking, or just a really boss use the force check that will also, as a natural 20 on a use the force check does, return all spent force powers to your suite, which is honestly perhaps the most useful and darn near broke-tastic part of this ability. Or for those of you from Chicago, you can go ahead and put it on the board! Yes! <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> I'm, not, I'm not from Chicago. Why do I know that? Uh, because that is, uh, is it Ren and Stimpy? I don't, I don't remember their names. The the broadcasters for the uh, Chicago White Sox. <laughs> it's not Ren and Stimpy. It's not Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Sorry, Ren and Stimpy. It's a, oh. a freaking cartoon, Ren and Stimpy. Yes, and, and a decent one at that, yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm a Cubs fan, so I don't, I, I, I don't watch very much yeah. White Sox. Cubbies. Well, bet you're unhappy. They're no longer... They no longer have the best uh, record in baseball, but only by percentage points. Uh, only by percentage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They just have one more loss than the Angels do. And I didn't see what happened tonight, so we'll see. Well, if only there were some Jedi Masters on the Cubs, they might be, uh, you know, <laughs> they might have to be having some better luck, but that's okay. That's right. Well, the Jedi Master, folks, um, aside from his little first-level abilities, he also gets four secrets, uh, which he gets every level. He learns a four secret except for first. And listen, all right, we, mm. we spent a lot of time covering the amazingly powerful Force Secrets, uh, which represent, you know, true mastery of Force use. Way back in episode 20, uh, which was the Force Disciple, that was, you know, what, seven episodes ago? Seven, um, yeah. And quite frankly, we spent a lot of time yapping about it, and all that coolness still stands. So go give it a listen. It's pretty freaking cool. That's right, you'll hear, I'll make you my dirty little secret. Woo! Or not. Or not. Or not. Yes, no... I'm taking your rock band away. I'm tired of your rock you band references. You might as well go ahead, go ahead and take my rock band away. <sighs> I'm, I'm tired of the rock band references. 
I mean, seriously, it, it, it's an addiction, dude. We got to get you into rehab. There you go. Working the steps. Pretty much. Talents, Dave. Talents. The Jedi Master, uh, like the Force Disciple, has no original talent trees. Uh, he's able to choose a talent every odd level uh, from the Jedi Knight's duelist talent tree, which we talked about near to death in episode 25. Kick that horse. Or any of the Force talent trees, which he could do anyway since he's Force sensitive, so I don't know why they put yeah, it in there. But yeah, and you, that's you the, yeah. But those are the only talent trees he can choose from. God giveth, God taketh away. Yes. Chuck yes. Norris giveth, Chuck Norris taketh away. Absolutely. And honestly, considering this, guys, if you're going from a Jedi Knight into a Jedi Master, the, I guess the one real recommendation I could make, if there is a uh, any of the, the duelist talents that you want to get when you're a Jedi Knight, hold Wait, off. Right. If, if you're going to the Jedi Master anyway, take your lightsaber forms, then go into Master, and then take the duelist talents you want. That's just what makes the most sense, quite Sweet. frankly. So that's pretty much the basics of the class, Dave. So, I mean, bottom line... The Jedi Master, I mean, it's a prestige class that allows you to access high-level badassery um, in the form of Force Secrets, Serenity, and Fearless, while at the same time letting you continue with a really great base attack bonus and hit die, okay? But, I mean, I've known combat Jedi men who will take a single level of Jedi Master just for Serenity and Fearless, and depending on their GM, just to be able to have the title of Master, to call themselves a Master. Um, And then go back and take more levels in Jedi Knight just to get more lightsaber forms. Right. Okay. I mean, the only downside of doing that is just that you won't learn any first four secrets, okay? But that's all right. You know, if you're not making a, a, a you know a force use character, who who gives a crap? You know, if, right. if, you're, if you're a combat Jedi, uh, I mean, a, and as it is, the Jedi Master gives you decent combat ability uh, while giving you access to powerful force use if you just stay all five levels in it. Uh, not as powerful force use as the Force Disciple, in my opinion, but with combat ability, the Force Disciple doesn't have. Okay, but a pure combat Jedi, again, who doesn't care about Force secrets or Force use, might seriously consider only a one-level dip in the Jedi Master. You know, you get the title, you get it, and then you go back and you continue to like take your lightsaber forms. Jedi Master Rodney Thompson would agree. Most likely, a man with many Force secrets. <laughs> I wonder if any of them are dirty. I'm not going to ponder to, you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to contemplate it. I, you know, I just, you know, that that yeah. Dave, that path leads to the dark side. I know. Yeah, we had a webcam, by the way, and so those of you that uh, we did figure it out in the middle of the in the middle of the episode that he was actually those uh, bottle caps that you kept hearing clicking in the background. He was actually playing with those things with move light object. He was juggling them in front of him. It was amazing. Like all Anakin style, like lifting up the little, you know, decorative ball and, you know, showing Padme he's a pimp, you know, back, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I wow. mean, it was incredible. I'm I'm impressed just uh, just hearing about it. Yeah. Can you hear it in my voice? I can. <laughs> well, I say it's time to move on to something brand spanking. Brand spanking new. New. Sort of. It's same, but different. It's Daniel same, Sun. but very different. Okay. Oh, that's just swell. That's great! Hey, that's awesome! When good games go great. All right, well, we're going to be uh, debuting, of course, our a, a When Good Games Go Great segment uh, this evening. I love it. Uh, we were the one to introduce kind of a counterpart to our, our When Good Games Go Bad when segment. Good games go bad. Thank you. Uh, which, of course, you might, well, probably a lot of you have heard, which highlights kind of those difficult-to-overcome game situations. Um, this segment will be a brief glimpse into utter gaming glory. 
and uh, those amazing GMs and players who managed to pull off the improbable and think outside the box. And big shout-out and thanks to Seikos um, and several of the other community members for pushing with it for this. Um, I think it's a marvelous idea and uh, a, a good addition to the show. That's right. Thanks so for the watches. Very much. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> well, Dave, this is a great story. Um, it was posted up a little while ago by uh, one of our forum members, Mandalorian Weaponsmith. And I want to tell you about it. Okay. He posts up. He says, um, in our Rebel campaign, we have three players. A Duros pilot, uh, a heavily modified personal security droid, which belongs to the Duros, and my character, a Twi'lek scout sniper who is also Force-sensitive. Um, in the session, we became captured by an Imperial officer who had us sent up to his Star Destroyer to await our fate. The droid was fitted with a restraining bolt sent to be dismantled while the Duros and I were sent to the brig. While waiting for our chance to escape uh, and save our droid friend, unknown to us, he managed to remove his own restraining bolt uh, due to having a heuristic processor and getting some amazing rolls to do it. Then he went on a mad rampage through the ship before being gunned down and disabled by a heavily armed stormtrooper squad. Once the guards came back to collect us, for whatever reason, my friend managed to get away from them and started running down the hall, opening cell doors and releasing potentially dangerous and desperate criminals to deal with the guards while we made our escape. Wow. We, we managed to find our gear and, and get our disabled but uh, luckily intact droid. The only problem was finding a way off the ship while dragging a very heavy and limp droid down the corridors <laughs> of a Star Destroyer. Uh, then I came up with a great idea that made my fellow gamers look at me like I was crazy. But so crazy, it just might work. We stashed the droid, and we started to crawl through the maintenance hashes to the upper bow of the ship. We dispatched two Imperial Navy troopers, took control of a heavy turbo laser battery, turned it around, pointed it at the bridge, and let her rip. Uh, the best part about it is that my friend rolled a nat 20 critical hit yeah. on the attack roll. Beautiful. We did so much damage to the bridge that we almost blew off the entire tower section off the top of the ship. It was truly a thing of beauty. Then we saw all the escape pods jettison and realized it was time to get off the ship now. Uh, with the hangar closer to us than the nearest escape pod, we opted to steal the captain's yacht that was still docked <laughs> with the ship. In an unexpected turn of events, we ran into the captain's dark Jedi lackey, and I decided this was a good time for my character to use the lightsaber he had, even though he had not been taught how to properly use it yet. Nice. Uh, fighting defensively and a few long-saved destiny points later, and we defeated the dark Jedi and fled in the captain's yacht. How great is that, dude? That's frilling great. That's a great story. And um, it's really interesting to think outside the box. Uh, oftentimes, you know, as a as a GM, gosh, I guess there's been a lot of systems I've played with in the past where you almost feel so constrained by the rules. And I know that you guys were talking with Rodney about this last week when you guys had him on the cast about you know how much you leave up to GM interpretation, right? Um, especially when you guys were talking about skill challenges and right. the difficulties that can come up with the constraints of the rules. And you know, and and you know, so sometimes your players will look at you and they'll suggest something, and you just just kind of got to smile and go, yeah. Yeah, let's let's find a way to do that. It's so cool. I mean, I know in our own uh, home game, we had a, we had a couple sessions ago. You know, uh, you you guys were trying to destroy a, a biological sample of a rat ghoul virus that was attempted yeah. to be snuck, snuck out, and there was really no way you guys were going to be able to hit it. It was a very small object, and is it a destiny point is it hard? Destiny point hard to hit, <laughs> and it was just it was just perfect. It was it was brilliant. Like one of the uh, one of the Jedi wanted to uh, you know, and you guys were trying to find creative ways to do it. One of you wanted to use move light object to yank this cryo pack that was holding the virus off of the uh, enemy's arm, which technically I don't think you can do. But it was a really cool idea, and I right. allowed it at the time just because you. Know, oh wow, that's really neat. Yep. And uh, it, it just made the adventure more fun. It made the adventure cool. more fun, and that's really what it comes down to. Uh, but thinking outside the box, and you know, it, taking advantage of your environment. I mean, honestly, do you really think the GM in this situation said, "Oh yeah, there's a starter story with a turbo laser battery up there"? 
And, no. oh, gosh, I imagine they're going to get to it. No. It's clear the GM thought on his feet and allowed them to have fun with the situation and use their skills and their resources, which included destiny points and whatnot. Right. Um, definitely some stealth involved. And anyway, I just think it's a fantastic story. And we want to hear more of them, guys. So post them up. Share your gaming goodness. Um, Seiko's actually started a thread in our adventure section a while back talking about great moments in you know gaming glory. Uh, I'm going to be moving it and transferring it to an official sticky thread in that same section for when good games go great. And we want to hear your best gaming moments. Share them with the rest of the Gamer Nation. Get them up there at d20radio.com slash forum. We'd love to hear it. We would. Fantastic. Now, I was a little shocked, Dave, when I heard the cast um, How about that? last week because uh, got TK has been shot. TK has been shot, as a matter of fact. Now, uh, over the course of the last week, we have gotten a little bit more information that the Swoop, ba- Swoop Gang members have actually been caught. Really? They actually came out and said they were intending on, they just needed some money. They needed some credits, and they saw this poor-looking sap just taking a smoke break, and they thought they'd score a pretty a quick little score there. And uh, unbeknownst to them, the guy had uh, only a check from D20 Radio, which is crazy. Well, it's a good thing it bounced, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, we, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't have enough money because uh, our you know well whatever. Oh hey, this is a great time to indicate, guys, we uh, we have a couple of sponsors. We do. You guys may have noticed uh, we had uh, some changes recently to the forums and the site, and there's a couple new banners up there. That's right. So the podcast is now being partially brought to you by Buy.com and by GoDaddy.com. A picture of my favorite favorite person in the world. Well. That's not my wife, in case she's listening. Hi, honey. Danica Patrick. Yes, yes. I know all about your love for Danica Patrick. Yes. Uh, Very, very cool. And, guys, if you do wish to purchase any uh, Star Wars uh, Saga Edition role-playing books, I would like to point out that Buy.com has all of them at a minimum of 30% off. By golly. Yep. Cover price. Absolutely. And that would, not to put too overt a point on it, would help us out. Yeah, a lot. Hey, you know, pay the bills. And I think also, it, this would be appropriate too, we're going to offer the Gamer Nation an opportunity to sponsor a podcast. The logistics are still being worked out, but um, I don't know. We'll try. Look at that. I thought I was going to make it. Doggone it. 46 minutes, 28 seconds, and I said, bah. Duh. Duh. I'm, I'm pretty sure you said it before. You just now realize that you said it. Well, a little bit longer. You know, I don't know. Oh. Anyway. Oh. Speaking of stupid things that people say, let's. Uh, we did call. We did try and call TK four two one because he is in the hospital still in Nabu. We we tracked him down, and um, this is uh, this is actually what we got. The patient you are trying to reach is not available. Please leave a message. Uh, is this thing on? Uh, well, hey, hosers, I don't know who's calling me, but I'm too busy getting the sponge bath right now. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself in the Imperial Hospital here, and I'll be recovering nicely. And spending a lot of time arguing with them doctors over how much or how little Imperial Light I can or cannot drink. <laughs> well, call back when I'm not busy. Later, hosers. <laughs> well, that's an interesting uh, voicemail message. Yeah, I'd say so. I think he's getting a little bit too much out of that sponge bath, personally. 
Well, the Empire does treat their people well, I understand, especially if they're, you know, celebrities like TK is. Yeah, yeah, big celebrity, <laughs> big celebrity. Although I understand next week he's going to be transferred to the Memorial Hospital on BIS, you know, for uh, for some follow-up and uh, physical therapy. <laughs> so well. good luck, buddy. I hope, you're, I hope you get well, man. And by the way, do you, do you know where he got shot? Um, I've heard a couple of rumors, but I don't know exactly where he got shot. I heard he, I heard, I heard he got shot in the... Oh my gosh, dude! Man, that's enough to make me cringe right there. All my sympathies, bro. All my sympathies. That's right, and hope you uh, hope you get that thing working again soon. Ooh, most definitely. What's well, a stormtrooper without his blaster? All right. Well. Oh yeah. Well, Dave. Uh, on that lovely note, I think that should bring us to our a D twenty, a docking, a bay. Twenty docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Yes, baby. And this week's D twenty docking bay is brought to you by whom shall it be? The great Asok Yisrim. Yet again. Yet again. Dude is filled with great questions preparing a lot for us. Now, if you guys have any great questions you want us to delve into deeply on D20 Docking Bay or inspire us with, uh, please go ahead to the forums once again and get to d20radio.com slash forum. Get up there. You can find the thread for D20 Docking Bay requests. Post it out there. Let us all know about it. But this actually wasn't posted on that forum. It was posted elsewhere, but it really sparked my interest and I wanted to cover it because it opened up a can of worms. Um, ASOC asked a simple question that just opened up an amazing avenue of discussion. His simple question was, can droids be jury-rigged? In the text, it says objects and vehicles can be jury-rigged. What about droids? What about replica droids? What about Bob? What about Bob? Yeah. Good question, man. And it opens up a great topic for the docking bay that I would really like to discuss. Jury-rigging. Uh, this little used mechanic opens up a host of really neat options for a skillful character, a scoundrel, or just a simple mechanic. Now, many of the new supplements have given jury-rigging even cooler applications, but few players or GMs even know it's there. So let's talk about jury-rigging, how to use it, where to use it, when to use it, and on what, and how to make it badass. It's a bonus jury-rigging extravaganza here on the Order 66 podcast, episode number 27, July 20th, on the Pennzoil Duraframe Mitsubishi Dodge. Thanks a hey, lot. You bet, man. Hey, you know, I think because I'm going to Gen Con... You're getting uh, you're getting some indie withdrawal. Is that it? I am. I'm getting some very much. Well, you know, NASCAR those guys, knucklehead. Those guys, you know, the indie the indie cars. They don't talk about their, you know, we're not talking about the cheap auto parts sh- Chevrolet, you know, or the uh, I don't know what is it the the home the Home Depot Toyota, you know. They're not talking about that. They're talking about their car because all the cars look alike, you know. They're not coming out about their Delphi Honda with an Infinity power plant. No, you just. Those indie car drivers, they think they're they're just higher than mighty. Mm. Go ahead and yawn. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you were you talking about NASCAR? I'm sorry. No, I wasn't talking uh, about NASCAR. Oh, okay. I was okay. talking about how indie car racers, Danica Patrick excluded, generally think that they're better than everybody else. Mm. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me. I want to get back to D20 docking bay. Oh, right. We are in the bay. Sorry. Yeah, we are in the bay. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, Dave, I, you know, as you know, and you've been you know playing with me for a while. I'm a huge fan of skillful characters, and I do everything I can in my home games to try and work skills into the encounter whenever possible. Yep. And I think jerry rigging is a great way to do that, and I want to talk about it. So, All right, boys and girls, open your books to page seventy on the core rulebook. Page seventy. There you will find the mechanic skill, and the mechanic skill will detail jerry rigging. Now. It's not easy to jury rig something, okay? Oh, very difficult. It is very, very, hard. very difficult. It requires a DC 25 mechanics check to jury rig, um, or only a DC 20 if you use a toolkit. And honestly, since a toolkit is basic part of a utility belt, you which I hope to it. God you should have, um, it, it, you know, it's a bit easier. But basically, during an encounter, you can uh, make a mechanics check to jury rig a disabled, i.e. zero hit points, vehicle or object, as the books put it, from a simple tool to a complex starship component. Uh, it's a full round action, but when you're done, you move the vehicle or object plus two steps up the condition track, you give it a D8 hit points, render it functional and usable. But at the end of the encounter, it falls five steps down the condition track. <laughs> okay, So you, you temporarily rig it up. All right. Now on the surface, this seems kind of neat, kind of a situational method to restore functionality like a key piece of equipment during combat, and it is. but. Beyond the surface, what this means is that that scrapped E-Web blaster that was nothing but fluffy description in the trash compactor yes. can now blow apart the Dianoga pestering your party. Ah, yes. Oh, yes, yes. The swoop bike that you just shot down, taking out the uh, swoop gang members that were gunning for you on Nar Shaddaa, can now provide you with an unexpected boost in your encounter. You know, for just a full round action. Very cool. When piloting a disabled vehicle, okay, instead of just sitting in space, you can re-enter the fight to cream the Death Star or bring back to life the sinking bongo deep in the planet core. All right. Um, Dave, maybe you're tight on cash, you know? Maybe that junk dealer will gladly sell you a quote-unquote broken and useless blaster for a couple of credits. Scrap metal, really. But in combat, you can whip it out and with a full round action, quickly make it into a temporarily functional deadly weapon. Lotto. Um... But bottom line, the, the uses to this are, are limited only by your imagination and the descriptive acumen of your GM. Pretty much. Furthermore, Dave, Furthermore. Uh, we have some new resources to draw on uh, that will really make this, this much better. Uh, the Outlaw Tech Talent Tree, which was first released online, then published as Paper Raw in Starships of the Galaxy. Um, there's a new Scoundrel Talent, guys, uh, in you know, called the Outlaw, the Outlaw Tech Talent Tree, and it makes great use of Jury Rig. There's two talents in the tree. Uh, the first one is called Fast Repairs, which lets you, when you jury rig, also add temporary hit points to the vehicle or object equal to your mechanics check, um, which is huge because that's a that's a minimum of 20 temporary hit points when you jury rig something. Because you know with a with a you know a, a, a toolkit you know you got to have at least a DC 20 to jury rig. Right. Uh, and then of course the other talent would be Quick Fix. Quick Fix is amazing. Once an encounter, you can jury rig something that's not disabled. So you immediately repair a vehicle or object, even though it's not disabled, one die eight hit points, and you move it two steps up the condition track, and give it temporary hit points if you've also got fast repairs. Um, now keep in mind, it'll, it'll go five steps down the condition track at the end of the encounter, but sometimes when you're down and out and you're four steps down the condition track and your ship's hurting, you're willing to cross wires and disable the safety systems and run the reactor above safety guidelines just to get you through, You know, which is mechanically, I guess, what it would represent. There you go. So, very cool. Uh, that's basically jury rig in a nutshell. Now, as to your particular question, uh, ASOC, you know, can you jury rig droids? Well, per raw, droids are creatures. Hence, you can force script them. 
Uh, you obviously can't force grip objects or vehicles, uh, which we discussed in the past. Okay. Now, having said that, it might be an actually neat house rule uh, for your GM to allow the jury rigging of droids, but considering how easy it is to repair a droid as opposed to you know healing an organic, it might be a tad imbalancing. Um, I'd personally consider it a lot less imbalancing if some enterprising GM perhaps created a feat or a talent that allowed you to jury rig droids, and that uh, why that that just might be kind of fun. Sure, why not, man? <laughs> So that's jury rigging in a nutshell. Uh, know it, love it, use it. It's not. A, it's just a basic function of the mechanic skill. And uh, you know, for a clever party and a GM who provides proper, you know, encounter design and, and good equipment in the area, it can really add a lot and allow not only a social character to shine, but you know, the person who keeps the ship running under normal circumstances can also become a pretty viable member in combat, depending on things. So, very cool. The cheap engineer. The cheap engineer. <laughs> Seriously, I just picture this guy just carrying around like a busted blaster that doesn't work that he bought for like two credits, and just you know at the start of every at the start of every encounter. Okay, guys, give me a full round. You know? well, maybe just, hey, you know, maybe that's the newest character on our D twenty radio, Melvin the Engineer. Hey boys, I'm Me- just downstairs giving it the what's over with the monkey wrench. Next week, what do we have for the fine show, uh, listeners here, or do we even have a idea yet? Well, that's a really good idea. Uh, you're going to be out of town next week, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I will be in beautiful, sunny, hot Las Vegas, Nevada for over the entire weekend, so there will be no show next week. No. I will try and maybe, perhaps, kind of maybe scrape something together. Maybe. But I don't have Dave's technical acumen, so uh, you know, don't plan on it. But if you hear something, haha, maybe it'll be the best episode ever. Hey, that's right. Maybe. <laughs> episode 27. Uh, yes. Well, what, what this is, is tw- what were this, this, this is twenty-seven. I, no, 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 no. That's what I was going to. I was trying to come up with a name that we had mentioned earlier, but of course that was like an hour and a half ago. And you know, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, episode pinnacle twenty-seven, of, uh, striving for the pinnacle of success with alacrity. I don't know. <laughs> well, either way, we'll figure it out. But with that, it's going to bring an end to our episode this week. Thank you guys for listening. It's good to be back, and I'm glad to be back. So uh, with that, peace, love, and good gaming. Uh, we right. want to hear from you guys. Let us know what's up. Don't forget to get your submissions in for the Build a Threat contest. Log on to d20radio.com slash forum and get that submission made. That's right. We want to see them. D20 Radio. Oh, keep those dice rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. I don't know where you whippersnappers get off. I'm not a grognar, but in my day we talked about our games in the bookstore where people could look at us funny. So no, I won't listen to your Order 66 podcast. I'm going to go out, get stared at like a man. Ha! See, speaking of Melvin, we might be able to go somewhere with that. Yeah, Wookiee draws his vibro axe.